Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Welcome to the Nintendo Voice Chat episode 552. I'm your host this week, Zach Ryan. Joining me today, Per Schneider. Hi, Zach. Rebecca Valentine. Hello. And Thomas R. Marks. Hello, Tom. <laughs> Hello. How you guys doing today? What's up? What's the latest and greatest, everybody? You My know. arm hurts. Yeah. Yeah, Pear, Pear got the shot yesterday. You got the, second you got one. the, right, the second shot. I'm surprised it's just your arm, you know? I'm surprised you're yeah. not feeling more. No, you, I like, feel like everything got, is kind of, look, it's better than getting sick. But Can we get a full screen? Can I'm, I'm talking to Red. Can we get a full screen on Pear? Can you show me that little dance again, Pear? That's I'm oh. sure. Okay, well, this got weird. I thought you were going to do that little shimmy. Sh I thought you were going to do that little shimmy shake for us. Audio <laughs> listeners hate this. I can't. I can't. I can't raise my arm higher than this. Oh, but that's not new. That's just an everyday. Oh thing no, that's yeah. It's just my arms are attached backwards. Yeah, I understand. I got the first shot two weeks ago, and I felt like my brain was full of bees for like two days. Oh. That is very specific. That's weird. <laughs> Tom, something to look forward to when you get your first shot this weekend. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a lot to cover off on today's show. We can't talk about uh, vaccinations all damn day, you guys. We got to talk about a brand new Nintendo Switch. We got to talk about uh, the Indie World Showcase, obviously, yesterday. That was a big deal. Uh, we got to talk about... Uh, 
some great new uh, Pokemon stuff uh, from Rebecca, and then we're going to answer your questions because that's the kind of show we run here. You know, um, let's start with uh, let's start with this new Nintendo Switch uh, Lite. Just got announced a couple of days ago. Pair, um, you did some real investigative journalism to talk about to find out what exactly the color is because I'm convinced that this is a purple Switch. But I want to hear from the rest of the panel before we go to Pear. Rebecca, Tom, what color is this Switch? Let's start with you, Rebecca. If you just show me the Switch and ask what color it is, I say it's GameCube color. But mm. if I actually look at it for more than five seconds, now nah, it's blue. It's not really GameCube color. I just love the GameCube and want more things that are GameCube color. This is like that meme of the dress where, you know, like some it people is. saw. Yeah, it's except, just like that. Except the meme of the dress was like an understandable and explainable trick of the light. And this, I looked at the run of show and went, why would anyone in the world think that that is purple? It looks purple okay. to me. No, wow, we've got not. It does. It looks blue, completely blue. blue. It looks nothing like GameCube purple. I'm so confused. I'm genuinely confused by this. Did we just, Rebecca? Did we just find out that maybe we're colorblind? <laughs> no, I'm not colorblind. I just, I really love GameCube. I love, love the GameCube. I will not shut up about the GameCube. And mm -hmm. if I see anything that is vaguely like a GameCube, I just, I, I want, I want that to be it, right? Especially when it's from Nintendo. I want Nintendo to acknowledge the GameCube more. <laughs> okay. I can See, dig it looks that. Kind of like a that, GameCube, right? That looks a lot you, like the GameCube color. Then you to me. look at it for just like a second more, and you're like, no, no, it's not. You know, it, mm -hmm. it is blue. It's not okay. I can, I can, I, I saw it for a fleeting moment in this image specifically of just kind of it straight on in a white void. But like, gen yeah. when I first saw it, like in the in context photos with like where it's in reality, it doesn't, it didn't look purple to me at all. Okay. This, this, I see it a little more. I will, I'll be stop being as judgmental. Okay, so you think it's Thank blue. You, Tom. Very Tom. blue. Yeah, it's definitely blue. Okay. Rebecca and I are team purple. Pear, solve this mystery for us. What the hell color is this switch? It's chambray. Chambray. <laughs> what is that? You made up that word. So, That's not a real word. No, I went to I went to Nintendo's official website and they actually used the HTML hex code to create a background color that matches the actual switch light color. Amazing. It's 3B 3B519C. If you want to look it up, it's the hex code, which is a cyan blue mix. There's nothing purple in it. Yeah. Uh, and if you, when you actually look at the spectrum of colors and you pick this, and it's a dark chambray, chambray, chambray. Um, when you look at it, purple looks very, very different next to it. But it's like, look, I get it. It's a, it's not like true blue, like aquamarine bright. It's, it's like a darker muted, got a little hint of lavender. Yes, I'll have, I'll, have a glass of the, I'll have a glass of the Italian chambray, <laughs> the chambray. The, with the woody, woody after finish. That's right. Yeah. Pear, um, what was that? What was that uh, hex code again? It was 3B519C. 9C. Yeah, I just yep. looked it up and it says that's purple, man. Sorry. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> uh, what do we think? What do we think of this color? Um, regardless of whether or not it's purple or blue, uh, does, is this the one that finally gets us all to buy Switch lights because the, the color is so enticing? I got. No. I already have a yellow one. Of course you do. You know I what we need to buy it. a Switch light? Hmm. If they came out with a switch light that was one of those like uh, those transparent or translucent ones, mm, like, like the, the, game, game, the Boy, game, yeah, game Boy, yeah, Game Boy Color, mm -hmm. see through, man, I would buy one of those so fast. Those were the cool. I didn't have one as a kid because that was the color that all the cool kids had. I never had one. Yeah. I would buy one of those. I want to be a cool kid now. Well, you're, I think you're a cool kid now, regardless of whether or not so. you had the transparent Game Boy. Um, <laughs> I would like to see a Switch Lite in the color of like the orange color from the GameCube. Speaking of the GameCube, I always mm -hmm. coveted the orange GameCube because mm -hmm. I had the classic purple, but my buddy had an orange one and I always thought that was like so cool that he had an orange one. So Rebecca, yeah. you and I are, are both big time GameCube fans. So yeah, I wish they would come out with more. So, I mean, I got a Switch at launch and mm -hmm. the only colors available at the time were gray and gray. Um, Basically, well, black, well, blackish yeah. gray, whatever, whatever color. The Joy-Con too, the, you know, red and, the red and blue Joy-Con as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but that was it. And now they've come out with all these different Joy-Con colors, and now they're coming out with Switch Lite colors. But I can't justify, I already have the system. I don't need a second system. It's just me. Why would I need a second one? So, right. But it's disappointing because I, I just, I want the colors. Yeah. <laughs> Pear, you're, you're a collector of all, all Joy-Cons ever. What do you think? Yeah, I didn't. I'm not collecting all the the Switch lights. Um, 
No, I, I mean, it's, it's a good. Are you even really a Nintendo system. fan? Like, I know, right? It's a good system. It's just like I feel like the trade-off to not be able to connect it to your screen is just too much. Like, if yeah, it had just a port, like you know, like the micro dock, like Genki did or something, I'd be more excited about it. But it's just the there are too many trade-offs, and you know, for a multiplayer-centric console that the Switch is, it just feels like the wrong step for me. Yeah, I dig it. Tom, is this the one? Are you going to buy this Nintendo Switch Lite because it's your favorite color blue? No, I can. I briefly actually used because I reviewed the Switch Lite back when it first launched, Ooh, and fancy boy. Uh, I was using the Switch Lite on my commute a lot because it was so much smaller, and I do think it is a better crafted, better feeling system than the regular Switch when you're playing in handheld. Um, I, it just feels more intentionally designed when it doesn't have mm-hmm. to swap between the two, but. Mm-hmm. I always valued the ability to switch like to a TV more. Um, and I miss the fact that, you know, some games just literally don't function on the switch light. Like you can't play breath of the wilds, motion control puzzles on that basically at all. Um, or all now, the gyro stuff in odyssey, you know, yeah, like shake to climb and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. And now, especially that we're mostly going, I've gotten very blurry, but now that, especially that we're mostly doing stuff from home, uh, it, like, it just doesn't make sense for me to get a Switch Lite. I think that it is a valuable sort of, like, system and a valuable sort of th- thing that Nintendo can offer people because $200 for access to almost for basically the entirety of the Switch library is a really, really good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a matter of it's not quite for me. Yeah, that's fair. I, I You know, I've, since launch, I feel like I've played probably... <laughs> 80 to 90 percent of the time that i've spent with my switch i played docked i got just i played as a home console um until recently i think in the last i don't know six months i've discovered the joys of you know playing my switch handheld when i'm in bed or something like that like especially with monster hunter i've been playing so much monster hunter handheld because it's like such a grindy game that you can just kind of put something on in the background um so i hadn't really ever considered a switch light until recently um i don't know if this color is going to be the one that really takes me over the edge here to to make me purchase one and i'm still kind of holding out for whatever a switch pro may or may not be so i I dig this blue i just also i was one of the few people who also dug the base colors right like i really like Mm -hmm. the yellow and and so i like the yellow too yeah so i i think that this isn't going to convince me one way or the other but i think it's a nice that's a nice color it's a nice addition i'd love to see them do this more with the base switch model as well of just like not like because the the way you get a different colored switch right now or a special switch is you have to get one of the limited edition ones that's specific around a game or buy a third party thing and swap it yourself which you know Mm -hmm. has all these other concerns and yada 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 and so like i'd love to see them just like get a little more fun with the the base model but maybe that's they'll do whatever that is with whatever the rumored whatever new thing is so who knows this year i decided i actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals so i subscribed to a service that streams all of the nhl to your television uh the boston bruins home opener i went to watch it and boom blackout restrictions apply which i thought was kind of ridiculous because i'm still 200 miles away from boston but whatever had i had nordvpn that wouldn't have been a problem i would have just gone in changed my settings to another geographic area and boom i could have been watching all the boston bruins home games like it was nothing at all So now I have NordVPN and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices 
in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um, unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your Nord VPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Nintendo VC. That's nordvpn.com slash Nintendo VC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Yeah, fair enough. You know what else Tom digs, you guys? He digs indie games. And fortunately, we got 21 new indie games yesterday. Uh, Nintendo's uh, indie, uh, indie World Showcase, the 16th indie world showcase since 2017 which i thought was pretty interesting we've got a lot of these indie showcases this has obviously been like a more prominent move for nintendo especially in recent the last couple of years i would say um like i said 21 games announced the big announces here were a sequel to oxen free called oxen free 2 lost signals um a new game in the ollie ollie series and a remake of the original house of the dead which i don't think any of us could have anticipated like what a weird what a cool move but like such a strange one um uh, there's also a big time Nindy sale happening right now through April 25th. And so what I wanted to do is just uh, kind of go round robin here and have everybody uh, talk about what they chose as their favorite game from the showcase yesterday. And then also highlight one of our uh, one of your picks from this Nindy sale and just let people know what games they can pick up on the cheap that you particularly love. Um, Reb, why don't we start with you? Oh, yes, please. Uh, I will take any opportunity possible to talk up The Longing. Oh. Uh, it is, yeah, it is a game. It's actually, it's been out. Um, I played it last year. It came out on PC, I PC only, I think, last mm -hmm. year. Um, and it is it is a game where you play, as you can see now, a little a little shade. It's just called The Shade. Uh, they are the, the servant of a, a giant underground king. And at the start of the game, the king creates the shade and says, I am about to regain my power. And at the when I regain my power, it will be the end of all longing. And then he goes to sleep for 400 days. And you can see the clock up top is ticking down in real time, 400 days. Hmm. And the clock keeps counting down even when the game is closed. Uh, and you are just given control of this little shade and you're supposed to wake him up at the end of 400 days. And you can play it a bunch of different ways. You can honestly just turn the game off and do nothing and reopen it again in 400 days and wake him up. Um, I did How not fun. do that. How fun. I don't really know why anyone would do that, but you can do that. But I think the thing that most people do is you can very slowly walk. He moves very, very slow uh, and explore this giant underground kingdom. And at first it's kind of tedious because you walk very slow and you have to manually control him going anywhere you want. And it, you don't get anywhere very fast. So you kind of have to keep checking in on him or it's a good game to sort of have off like in another window while you're doing something else because you can click and then do something else and then when he's gotten there you click to the next spot um it's very slow later on you do get a mechanism to set fast travel well it's not fast travel points but you can save spots and then tell him to return to those spots automatically and then you can shut down the game when you reopen it again he has gotten there uh but yeah you you explore the kingdom and you will run across obstacles like there will be the, there's a little thing that is slowly filling with water and if you wait a certain amount of time after discovering it it will fill with water and you'll be able to swim across and see what's on the other side and there's a lot of different things like that and as you explore you can find decorations for his little hobbit hole that he lives in and gradually as you start to decorate it and make it more warm and homey time starts to travel to pass faster when he's home uh, you can find books for him to read the entire text of moby dick 
is in this game and he will sit down and read Moby Dick and you can read along with him or you can set him to read it automatically uh, and time passes faster when he reads because time passes seems to pass faster when you're enjoying yourself and there, you can, there are about 200 pages on whaling at the beginning of that book I don't think yes. time ever passed slower than those chapters <laughs> Well, if you're a weird literary nerd like me, they did. But yeah, there's there's all kinds of books you can find. You can find rugs and curtains. You can have a little fountain. You can wow. do all kinds of things to make his little home better and brighter and make time pass faster. Um, or you can try to find a way out if you want to. You can see if there's a way to escape your fate. And as as he sort of wanders lonely around this underground world, you'll get little insights into his mental state um, and little clues that might indicate that maybe there is a way out mm. of this underground cavern for him to strike out on his own. But does he do that or does he wake up the king? Uh, it has multiple endings. Uh, I did achieve one ending and I, I don't want to spoil it, but there there is a moment on the way to the ending that I got that was honestly one of the most emotional moments in a video game that I've wow. played really ever. Uh, so I, I really encourage people to pick it up. It seems like a weird slog, but it, if you like idle games of any kind, this is a really, really good one to pick up. And it's... It's really interesting. Did you cheat or did you actually wait 400 days? Well, you don't have to actually wait 400 oh, days. I see. There are okay. ways to, there, there is an ending you can get by waiting the full 400 days. Uh, there's an ending you can get by w waiting the 400 days. But again, time passes faster mm. when you're in. So you can, you can like set him in his little house, sit him in his chair, have him read a book, close the game. And then depending on how much you've decorated your home, time will pass even faster. So it'll like, I think by the time I finished the game, like for every one second in real time, 20 seconds was passing in the game. So I was going through days very quickly. Uh, so that's another way to finish the game. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't cheat. But no, I did not wait 400 days. <laughs> I love this little hobgoblin. What a cute guy. Uh, I, I, this game is interesting to me. I, you know, I, I, I don't mind an idle game, but I'm still waiting for Loop Hero to drop on Switch. Devolver <laughs> Digital, I'm looking at you, please. Um, what about uh, your indie sale pick, Reb? What, what's a, a game that you want the NDC listeners to uh, pick up on the cheap? Uh, I there are a lot of good ones in there that I think are are games that everybody's talked about in depth. Like Ori was in there. There, there were a whole bunch of us. But the one that I saw in there that really intrigued me was No Straight Roads. Uh, so I've not actually played No Straight Roads. I watched my partner play it, uh, and it seems really cool. It is it is a rhythm game, kind of. Uh, it, it's like a, it's uh, it's multiple different things. It's it's an action game in that. You 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 move through this this world. I mean, you can see in the video right now. But the battles are what really intrigued me because the battles the the enemy will be doing attacks on the beat, and you will have to dodge them, or they'll telegraph their abilities on the beat of the different songs they're playing. Yeah, that's everything cool is, as hell. is very musical based. You're in this world where certain kinds of music are uh, frowned upon or outright uh, uh, made basically the equivalent of illegal in this world. Uh, and you're, you're trying to find a home for your particular brand of music. Got a real uh, and, footloose situation going on here. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting and really thoughtful. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying a lot of specifics about it because I didn't play it. I just saw glimpses of it, but it, it looked really cool. And my partner really, really enjoyed it. And I, I love the idea of sort of a rhythm game, but not if that makes sense. Cause you're not actually doing attacks on the beat, but you can, their attacks are coming on the beat. And so you have to pay attention to what the music is doing to sort of know what to do next. Uh, yeah, it was, it seemed very, very cool. And I, now I'm tempted to pick it up too. Yeah. This looks awesome. I believe the lead designer of that game was either the lead producer or lead combat designer. I can't remember which of final fantasy 15. So he, he, mm. he comes from the combat kind of lineage of it comes from, from a well, well-loved, venerated source as well. Yeah, I looked at it and thought that the combat looked very Kingdom Heartsy. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Final Fantasy XV is a very good game. Pear, what about you? What's your pick? My pick is uh, is an indie game from this small amusement machine indie studio called Konami. I don't know if you've heard of them. Ah. Um, much has been made about Konami returning to proper video games, but let's not forget that they had one of... Switch's top sellers last year called uh, Momotaro Dentetsu, which of course nobody. I in the did West forget played, that. Thank you for no. Honestly, me. They, they've been. Uh, I, I think the whole Konami exodus from game making was an exodus from making kind of triple A, very expensive games. And who knows? Maybe they'll be back to it. But like, they seem to be interested in doing a little bit more. Like you know, Switch seems to be a sweet spot for them, uh, making simpler games like they used to do in the DS days. Um, I'm here for it. I, I, you know, I'm 
here for Getsu Fumaden is what it's called. It's a remake or a sequel to a 1987 Famicom game that didn't come out in the West. And like as a big fan of you know Japanese culture and art, um, they're kind of using the art style from old woodblock prints. There's like mm-hmm. the if you look at the skeleton boss that comes up here on the screen, that's actually from an old Kuniyoshi woodblock print. So you know my nerd heart is just happy seeing this stuff. Um, very cool art style we'll see how the game is i got musha vibes it looks like a you know kind of more of a castlevania ish musha style side scroller uh not a vania um but something more linear but it's actually a rogue light so it gets remixed a bit um but i'm i'm really curious to, to to play this i you know look part of me is hoping that if if this works out and we like the game and I already like the art style better than Ghosts and Goblins, the, the Capcom remake, um, I'm hoping that the path leads back to great 2D Castlevania and great 2D Goemon games and all of those games that Konami used to be really good, good at. So I'm excited. Yeah, they did a really great job with the uh, cast or they I mean, it's a pretty bare bones package, actually, but it's nice to have Castlevania games more readily available. You know, they've done they've done a, a Castlevania mm-hmm. package. I would love to see them do uh, specifically the GBA games, Castlevania games on the Switch. Like I, that would such a, be, uh, such a no brainer collection. Like I would really love to see some of that. It's just it's nice to know that Konami is sort of back in the game. I know you said that they had a, a major hit last year, but um, I wasn't paying attention to all that. I'm sorry. Yeah, just, I apologize. Uh, yeah, a very Japan centric hit. That whole Momotaro franchise uh, uh, has been. Uh, really really big in japan it's based on an old fairy tale little little peach boy yeah this game Um, looks very cool yeah i'm excited to check it out tiny little indie game that's right um it is made by right it's made by an indie studio it's made by guru guru so we'll uh for konami but it's a konami ip yeah it's the same it's the same kind of situation almost as ori in the blind forest which is made by an indie studio made by an indie studio published published by by a major microsoft and and it's like you're seeing the same strategy now obviously capcom's done some of that stuff where they do these these kind of retro remakes where they don't take them fully to like a grand scale open world 3d game remake but they kind of preserve the original style of the game you're seeing that from sega now right like they did Mm -hmm. i talked about panzer dragoon and not loving that remake but um sega guys doing that too you get house of the dead which it's not going to be good um oh come on it's not going to be good (laughs) ah there's a reason why we're not sitting here saying one of my favorite games of all time was house of the dead i have such a soft spot for the the dreamcast house of the dead games like the uh yeah i'd love to see this one be okay you know well i'm looking forward to seeing you using your left joy con to point the ir painter at your tiny little don't you use the right joy con pair (laughs) excuse me doesn't have the ir censored on it does it now oh i might be wrong no you can you can do it um what's your uh what's your indie pick Oh, for the sale? Or your, your sale pick, yeah. Well, look, I mean, the obvious one would be Grindstone, you fools. It's down to fourteen ninety nine. <laughs> you fools. Um, Grindstone's great. Um, but it's only five bucks off. If that's not, not enough for you, Bastion is two ninety nine. That is mm-hmm. Bastion is usually fifteen bucks, two ninety nine. Come on, that's less than a coffee. Please just buy this you're, game. It's fantastic. Yep. If you're a big fan of Hades, go back and see where it all started. That's right. Yep. Yeah, boy. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Bastion. Did you happen to notice, uh, what about Transistor? Is that on sale anywhere? It's on sale. All, all of their games That's on sale. That's on sale also? Yeah. Okay, yep. cool. I, I, I like Transistor a lot. I want to pick that up and play it on Switch let me, again. Let me grab a Joy-Con. Pyre? I don't, did Pyre ever come to Switch? Did it? I don't, I don't think so. I think Pyre it was PC and... I think it was PC and PlayStation only. I, I started playing Pyre and dropped off of it for something else, but I've I've had it recommended to me several times by people that are like, you specifically would really love that game, and I wanted to go back to that as well. Right. If that's yeah. not on the Switch, I hope they put that on the Switch. That's a that's a great game. Wizard Soccer. Yeah, such a weird, such a weird game. I remember I previewed that at, at PAX one year and was like so confused. I was like, Yeah, Super Giant's new game is like a warlock basketball. <laughs> like, very strange. Yeah, Sorry, I, I just like- want to I, I, I misspoke on the uh, location of the IR sensor. It's not on the left Joy-Con, it's on the underside of the right Joy-Con. So if you want to use a, a gun controller... So what you're saying is uh, Zach was right. No, you, you, yeah. you would have to, you would have to, if they use AR, they can, um, IR, they can use tilt, obviously, um, and gyro to let you aim. It's not going to be great, but you could do it like this and use the little trigger Oh, that's on top. awful what you're doing. Well, put the or, thing, slide the little guy on the end. Oh, the little guy? Where's the little guy? Here's the little guy. 
This one? Yeah, yeah the little slaggy guy. That's it's, how you do it. It's still awful. It's still, oh. Well, they can make a cradle for the light gun shell, whatever, and, and let you use I just, it like that. I just don't understand why anyone is concerned about whether a Nintendo console can do point a controller at the TV and shoot style gameplay in 2021. Haven't they been doing that for over a decade with the Wii? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. That's true. You, you, I mean, the Mario, play Mario Galaxy, you can use your pro controller to aim. You hit right. the R button to activate the little reticule. Right. You, yeah, no, it's... Um, it actually works pretty well, too. They can pull it off. I'm just not a big House of the Dead fan. Tom, what about you? What's your pick from the Indie Showcase? What made your uh, bow tie spin? <laughs> 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 Good one, Zach. Excellent. High five. Zach. Thank you. <laughs> well... <laughs> Um, <laughs> my Brian's pick, then Brian couldn't join us, and so I uh, decided to steal it from him, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Uh, this game looks super sweet. I'm mm-hmm. I t- Turtles in Time on Super Nintendo is probably like one of my most played Super Nintendo games. I used to play that game with my friends and my brother all the time. Um, and this basically looks like everything i could have dreamed of for like kind of a successor not sequel not remake just sort of reiteration of that uh so it's by dot emu which is the people that made streets of rage 4 they're just they they know what they're doing when it comes to these uh you know retro hack and slash brawlers and i i think what's really struck me about this one is they just seemingly nailed it across all aspects in this trailer right like the the visuals look like exactly what i'd want i mean the animation is gorgeous like yeah the 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 sprites look insane yeah (laughs) i love when they rip off their ties yeah the 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 pixel art looks exactly like what i'd want from like a a modern update not just like a rehash of what it was um the Mm -hmm. the cutscenes that they showed look like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 90s Saturday morning cartoon, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is the thing that really, like, surprises me about this game is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles isn't Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on TV anymore. It's TMNT, like, specifically as an acronym. And they've completely, like, changed the look and rebranded it and remixed it, which I'm not complaining mm-hmm. about, right? Like, a new generation likes that stuff and likes that show. But this very specifically seems to have gone with... Right what i remember as a kid liking about teenage mutant ninja turtles and it's totally playing to that nostalgia factor and i'm i'm 100 percent here for it and mm. i'm i'm just very very excited to get my hands on this i i well i feel like we all learned that we were all pronouncing dot emu which is not the right pronunciation wrong during <laughs> during that direct but i i don't know the correct pronunciation uh I, I wish that Dot Emu, th- this game looks amazing, and they seem to pick partners for these sort of re, not remakes, but bringing back these old franchises really, really well. Because yeah. um, they've done a wonderful job, I believe, didn't they do? Uh, were they the ones who did, uh, oh, what was the little adventure one? I just It just completely left my mind. The little adventure one where you could switch back and forth between uh, the old look of the game and the new look of the game. Was that them? Uh, monster mm. boy or monster boy was that one monster what was it yeah monster guy monster, monster boy yeah was that, that? <laughs> was that right wonder boy wonder, wonder boy. boy monster yeah. boy was monster like, boy is a yeah. different game suppressor yeah okay That's... well anyway they, they do these games well or they, they they publish these games they pick their partners well and they do a really really good job and i wish that they picked games that i was really into because they look so good, but it's not like th- this looks amazing. It's not my thing, but I I want them to find a series that I was really into back in the day and bring that back because dang, it looks so good. Yeah, they're French, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. dot dot emu. Oh, dot sorry. Emu. Well, it's never an emulator. That would be like something that makes big ostriches. It's pronounced well, that's kind of what I thought it was. <laughs> I, I believe it's pronounced chambre. Oh, Chambre. A couple things about this guy. Um, this this game specifically, like I love the the fact that first of all, Bebop is wearing a, a suit. I don't think I've ever wear, seen Bebop wear a suit and a tie. I really enjoy that. That's very nice. And the second thing is, if you look red, I don't know if you can put this back up, but if you look at the footage, like in uh, above their life bars, there are tiny little cutesy versions of the turtles 
to represent each of you know like each of their health bars that are very good you can see them up look at those little oh. things. little hands are like over the edge of the bar that's cute yeah that's i nice. really love i really love those guys i think this is gonna be a cool game i i streets of rage 4 was really great i think yes. like unexpectedly great um so i'm, I'm looking forward to this one uh tom your what's pick? your uh what's that who's your pick donatello is always mine uh, yeah donatello he's got the reach man <laughs> Yeah, you know, a little wild reach for uh, Tom. What about your uh, what about your pick for the indie sale? What are you so, recommending for folks? I have a dumb one, and I don't care because uh, one of the games that was also announced in the indie direct was that Fez was on Switch out now, uh, and it's part of this sale for like ten percent off, so it's only thirteen mm-hmm. fifty down from fifteen dollars. But I do not care. I'm recommending it anyway. I know it's been on Nintendo platforms before, but Fez is absolutely one of my favorite games of all time. It's probably in my top ten games ever. Um, and basically, what I'm saying right now is, mm-hmm. if you like platformers or puzzle games or puzzle platformers, and you have not played Fez just like this this is a game that is a no-brainer that you should get and 10 percent off is not much it's literally just basically a launch sale for it it's not like really part of this sale which is why this is sort of cheating but 100 percent, if you've never played fez just absolutely this game is so so incredible i i think it is genuinely one of the best puzzle games ever made um and it's it's absolutely one of my favorite games ever i played it for the first time last year and it it has aged very well. Yeah. It's yeah. still like fantastic. Yeah, it's 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 art style, it's music, it's kind of whole like puzzle ideas. A lot of it's challenges too. Like it's got some really, really hard ones mixed in there with mm-hmm. some approachable ones. The game kind of lets you choose how deep into it you want to get in certain ways. And yeah, it's just it's it's so good. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, you sold me. I, you know, I've not played Fez. Whoa. I do like, I do like platformers. I do like puzzlers. So this does seem like sort of a no-brainer for it's, me. So maybe I'll jump in. It's great. I, I mean, know. there are a few games like that where you can change the perspective to align platforms, right? Like they, I forgot there was on a play on on the PlayStation. Obviously, we got Monument Valley games like that where they play with that Escher-esque setup. Fez. Oh, I always thought did it best because of the mm-hmm. like the way they have a 3D world and it becomes a, a 2D world. Uh, the the whole flip mechanic is really really cool. Yeah, You'll dig it. You should definitely play it, Zach. All right, I'll I'll give you all an update next week when I come back and I have played all the mm-hmm. way through Fez. Um, <laughs> my pick, my pick uh, for the indie showcase yesterday, uh, Oxenfree Two Lost mm-hmm. Signal. Um, I love the original Oxenfree. I think it's so awesome, and uh, I, I mean, I guess I would say underrated, but that game is totally rated. I think it's you know it's kind of the definition of an indie darling. Um, very mysterious, big lost vibes, um, really funny, well-written dialogue that seems like actually like genuine to the way that I assume teens talk. I don't know a lot of teens, but um, I'm, I'm excited for a sequel. I think that like I was, I never expected to see a sequel to Oxenfree. So I think it's very cool that Oxenfree 2 is coming later this year. Um, I, I will say uh, that probably my pick for the nindy sale obviously oxen free the original is on sale right now for 10 bucks so if you haven't played that and want to gear up for the sequel snag that um but i also really like dandara um it's a like really cool sort of gravity defying metroidvania game that came out in 2018 um that game has a kind of definitive edition with a, a bunch of extra content that's on sale right now for five dollars and twenty four cents. Um, so that would be my pick for the indie sale. Um, but yeah, also, that about wraps it up. I think for well, go ahead, well real quick, I just want to say, generally speaking, if you're looking at a lot of the stuff in the sale that we didn't mention, this sale is mm-hmm. stacked. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a ton of stuff. There's yeah. incredible games. We we could probably each pick five games, and like all of them would be good recommendations. So like, mm-hmm. there's some really really good stuff in this sale even if we didn't mention it i'm yeah, mostly there were, that, that entire list of games when i went through to pick one was games that i loved and games that i wanted to play yeah yeah like that was it i'm mostly mm-hmm. excited that the planets have finally aligned to have ollie ollie and oxen free <laughs> very nice very nice well done yeah uh ollie ollie was free on playstation a couple of years ago and it was one of those things that like i kind of picked up on a whim and then ended up spending just an 
insane amount of time with. Very cool. And the, this new Ollie Ollie looks very cool too. It looks like it's doing some different stuff that I'm pretty stoked for. Yeah. Um, we're going to move on to our next topic. Uh, just a quick one here. I wanted to talk about the Ask Your Water book, which is now available. Pear, you, uh, oh, there it is. Look, hey. you've got it right there. Um, so this is Ask Your Water, Words of Wisdom from Sotaro Wada, Nintendo's legendary CEO, published by Viz Media. Uh, this, is, this book is finally translated into English. It is a couple of years old um, at this point uh, from Japan, but now it's here in the States, uh, fully translated, um, by, uh, Hibonichi and also, uh, uh, just price wise, 2049 for a hardcover and 12 bucks for the Kindle version. Um, this is sort of a hybrid kind of thing of, uh, articles that, uh, Iwata wrote for, uh, Hibonichi and also, um, kind of excerpts and bits and pieces of the, you know, the, uh, Iwata asks, uh, series from Nintendo. Um, but it's basically musings from Iwata about how to be successful in business, how to manage people, and just kind of general life lessons seen through the lens of his career at Nintendo. Uh, Pear, you obviously have a copy. Have you had an opportunity to dig in yet? What do you no, think? No, it, it just arrived. So I just flipped through. And it, it's it's mm -hmm. definitely, it's a collection of anecdotes, like his personal beliefs and, you know, how he how he he, he retells parts of his history, you know, taking on HAL, HAL Labs, you know, the company behind Kirby and Smash, all that mm -hmm. at a point where the where the company was completely financially underwater. Um, no, it's just I Iwata, you know, he he does everything with a smile, but he was a tough businessman. And so it's kind of seeing him spell things out and seeing him reiterate his beliefs, you know, spotted the part where he said if somebody if he would have seen somebody who would have been a better president for hal he would have immediately like given up his job and put that person in it and like in iwata's case i i i think he really means it um i i think he was a very uh he, he was he was shrewd he was clever he did everything with a smile but he made some tough decisions and he did not he did not withhold information right like he stated his beliefs quite openly and so i'm really looking forward to seeing you know if there's some unknown things in there some things that i hadn't seen before um but it's you know if you like kind of motivational books or business books that give you insight into the mind of a of an exec um i, I think this should be pretty cool yeah i should say it's it's not it's not necessarily super nintendo focused mm. and i don't mean super nintendo the system i mean like it's not like really focused on nintendo it's mm -hmm. mostly about iwata's mm -hmm. you know business philosophies and things like that although it, it it so it doesn't showcase like a lot of behind the scenes stuff like fans might want from fans of this show might want from a book about iwata but it does have sort of like cameos from a bunch of different nintendo people um, that show up, you know, over the course of his his writings for both for Hobonichi and for the Awata Asks series and things like that. And there's some cool insight. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't had an opportunity to read it, but just kind of reading about the book, um, there's some cool insight about the Awata Asks uh, series itself and some stuff like that. So I just think it's like a really neat thing to to have as a Nintendo fan. You know, like if especially if you're like myself are an Awata fan, I think that the the man is a legend. And so this it's, is a really cool kind of tribute. It's very rare that a creative-minded person, somebody from the game, game development and design side, arises to being, you know, arises to be the leader of a major corporation like this. And you know, right. Nintendo is a massive success and has had up and downs, but the ups are always based on them making really clever, creative decisions, and sometimes, you know, things that aren't exactly popular with uh, the the more kind of like the core gamer audience, and and then they come out and they succeed and they make a bunch of dough. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to read it over the weekend. You could read a whole book in a weekend. It's, it's, it's short. It's a very, um, it's a very short book. You heard it here first mm -hmm. folks. Per Schneider, speed reader. You can read this. IGN's number one fastest reader. It's incredible. A whole book in a weekend. That's what right. a genius. Thank you. Uh, speaking of reading, I got to read a very cool article on IGN this week, courtesy of our very own Rebecca Valentine. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Look at um, you. you can read too. I'm learning, you know, it's taken, it's been a journey, you know, I, it's been a long time coming, but, uh, not know that that's right. Pair, you know, every, every day after work, pair and I spend, uh, just, a, just an hour or two. And he, you know, we go through things phonetically, he helps <laughs> me with the tough words. 
It's been, you know, he's been a real, a real mentor and a coach. And one day I hope to read at his speed. Thank you. But uh, I did, I did really enjoy this article from Rebecca earlier this week. Um, But basically, uh, Rebecca got to sit down and talk with the folks from Bandai Namco and talk a little bit about the new Pokemon Snap game and how that game was born out of Nintendo's relationship with Bandai Namco over the Pokken tournament games. Um, And I just wanted to talk a little bit about this cool piece. Uh, You know, this is kind of a rare opportunity that we got to see a little bit behind the curtain. Rebecca, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your discussion with Bandai Namco? Yeah, so I mean, I I don't want to oversell it too much. It was a pretty short discussion, um, but I did get to uh, talk to uh, new Pokemon Snap director Haruki Suzaki, uh, who was also the director on Pokemon Tournament, um, as well as a number of other games. Um, And he gave me a couple just very interesting tidbits about Pokemon Snap and how its development sort of connected to Pokemon Tournament. Um, He... He effectively said that the reason why Bandai Namco was able to develop new Pokemon Snap was because of what they did with Pokemon Tournament and specifically the way they made Pokemon appealing in a new way. And I thought that was an interesting line that he gave me because especially if you go back and look at Pokemon Tournament, you know, it's it's a fighting game. It's excellent fighting game, really fun, features a lot of Pokemon that are not normally featured. Uh, But the thing that always strikes me about it, you know, I'm not a fighting game person, but I love looking at the backgrounds and the worlds in Pokemon Tournament. And you can see all this activity going on in the background of these, all these scenarios of Pokemon sort of existing alongside humans and all these cities and areas. There's a Magikarp festival, there's a Wobbuffet laying on a bench in one town. It's, It's very cute and it's very lively. And I think it fits into this thing that the Pokemon company has been doing with a lot of its third-party partners lately with uh, things like the Detective Pikachu movie, uh, Pokemon Go, uh, you know, Pokemon Tournament, and now with new Pokemon Snap, where they're trying to take Pokemon and not just have them be kind of this creature that you battle and fight alongside in the mainline RPGs, but they're they're these creatures that have lives and personalities and existences that fit into this, this full living world. Uh, and so that's that's me extrapolating a little bit from this one line that he gave, but I, I do think it makes sense when you look at the work that uh, uh, Tazaki and his team have done before. Um, and he also mentioned that they work, they collaborated early on with HAL Laboratory, which was the development team that made the original Pokemon Snap. So even though HAL didn't make the game, they they did collaborate with them on it and they had conversations about it early on. Um, and he, he talked about some other things too. He talked about, you know, how the goal was to, you know, again, build out this world where Pokemon actually live and make them the star of the game and use the Switch's capabilities and think about how Think about how photography has changed in the last, you know, 20 plus years since the original Pokemon Snap came out um, and uh, trying to be a little bit hu- more humane as well uh, in terms of getting rid of getting rid of pester balls. Uh, maybe we don't need to be throwing balls of noxious gas at Pokemon <laughs> in 2021. Maybe we don't need to be doing that. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It was it was a short interview, but it was really interesting. And I am man, I am stoked for this game. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Like, I, you know, you, you touched on this just now, but basically his quote was that the team's main focus was to build a world where wild Pokemon actually live in this game. And I, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance before I say this. I'm not, I have no soft spot for Pokemon Snap. I never played the original. Um, I, you know, like I, 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 I kind of get you. the appeal, but thank you. Um, but I like the idea of seeing Pokemon in sort of their like natural habitat. Like that to me is really interesting. And this game seems to be doing that on like a much bigger scale. And I also just think that it's cool that this is sort of born out of the idea that, um, you know, they, they, like you said, they did a lot of this work in the background for Pokken tournament as like a nice to have, like a bonus, you know, for that game. And it led them to, you know, to creating this whole new game, bringing back this sort of beloved, I can't say franchise because there was only one, mm-hmm. but something franchise like now. Yeah, certainly. I- Pear, what, what about the, what's your take here? On Pokemon Snap? I mean, just like this whole this whole relationship. Bandai Namco, you know, has a, has had a long relationship with Nintendo, but I think this specifically is something kind of new. Yeah, no, I, I look. Nintendo has used some friends in the industry to help them, you know, release more titles with their characters. You know, whether whether it's working with Sega or Bandai Namco or Ubisoft, even right. Um, mm-hmm. I think in most of those exper- experiments, we get something unique that kind of smells and looks like Nintendo, but has some, maybe some gameplay elements that Nintendo wouldn't have done the same way. And I think Pokken is a great example of that, where you have a fighting game developer tackling something that I don't think Nintendo would have ever made like that. 
But occasionally you get something like a Star Fox where that doesn't work out the same way. With <laughs> with, uh, with Pokemon Snap, like Bandai Namco is great for this. It's it's one of the simplest games, right? It's an amusement park ride where you're on rails and you basically have to take pictures of the stuff around you. It's like what is that? Uh, the Toy Story ride in 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 Disneyland, right? Uh-huh. Where, where, where you got to shoot all the targets. It's exactly that. Um, and so I think its appeal is all in how they take these characters and animate them and, and you know, set them yeah. in that world. So I'm, I'm happy they're tasked with developing these franchises. I'm, I'd be nervous to see external studios tackle a Zelda game, you know, like a full-fledged Zelda game or a Mario game. But external studios have done that. Let's not forget about Capcom like, with several Zelda games there. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know those oh, are not my. The, uh, yes. Just the crypt of the Necrodancer thing. That yeah, but that, that yeah, that's such a different take on Zelda, right? That's a rhythm game. No, but the GBA games you're talking about are that's that's an example of Capcom doing a, a pretty good job, I think. And I know some for some people that's some of their favorite games. They're not mine. Um, I think Link to the Past just runs circles around them, and it's much older. I just love. I'll not. I'll not hear this disrespect to Minish Cap. There are no kangaroos in Hyrule. Come on. <laughs> okay. Minish I, Cap I, was good. I like. I like Minish Cap. I I just love that from this interview that like. Then this is like you said, sort of like reading between the lines, maybe a little t- too much in my case, but like I love the idea that somebody looked at Pokemon Tournament and looked at the backgrounds and was like, "What if that, but without the fighting?" Like what right. if what if yeah. we took your game about <laughs> fighting Pokemon, removed all the fighting, and then just gave you a camera? Like mm-hmm. that's 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 the best way to get a to land a gig, I think, ever is by making a fighting game and someone just looking at the backgrounds and going, Yes, we will have you make Pokemon Snap. Yeah, but I think even too, like and I'm talking a little bit out of my butt right now because I again I'm not a fighting game person. I did play Pokemon Pokemon Tournament, but not extensively. I think even even the whole background thing aside, I think just playing Pokemon Tournament, you can get a sense of how Bandai Namco is thinking about Pokemon. You know, they sure. you look you look at their roster. Yeah, they've got Pikachu in it. Whatever, everyone's got a Pikachu. <laughs> in it. But they like why they've got a whole bunch of Pokemon in there as well. I think I mentioned this on the podcast before. They've got like Chandelure in there. What's Chandelure doing in here? They sure. looked at this lighting roster up the of, place. At the time, like what, look, over six hundred Pokemon or something, and they were like, "That right there, we want <laughs> a fighting chandelier. That's great." And all of the Pokemon, you know, yeah, they they reference all of their moves in the game, you know, their signature abilities and what they can do. But they are thought out in this way where they move realistically and they act, you know, very realistically in a way that was not visible before just playing this turn based game. And mm. I think that amount of thought and care, you know, it makes it makes perfect sense that they're doing this, yeah. honestly. That's good. I think you got to remember that that every Pokemon is somebody's favorite Pokemon. You know, somebody out there loves like, Chandelure loved so much. I don't know why, yeah. but they do. Somebody, somebody's got somebody's got a bad for Love Disc. That's true. Really? Um, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Pokemon Snap comes a new Pokemon Snap. I should say comes out April thirtieth. So we'll be playing that very shortly. But let's talk about the games that we're playing right now. I want to know what everybody's gaming on these days. Tom, let's go ahead and start with you. Uh, an assortment of things. I know what you're playing. Yeah, I mean, you know partly what I'm playing, which is still Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, That's right, baby. And then I also played through It Takes Two over the last week or so with my partner, mm. which was fun, but not on Switch. I've been restarted Persona 5 Royal, which is also not on Switch, much to everyone's still criminally chagrin. not on Switch. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise I've been spending most of my time on. I did dip into and tried out Cozy Grove, which I believe is on mm-hmm. Switch as well, which kind of caught me off guard because I didn't realize it was a real-time Animal Crossing-style game. Um, <laughs> so it's if you're looking for sort of like a, a game that's like a cutesy sort of version of Don't Starve's movement, like gameplay style and look um but animal crossing e then that's something to look into cozy grove but yeah has very good writing yeah it's it's very, very well written i just like i i just, i played about an hour of it on pc and then was like oh i didn't realize this is what this was and i like don't i don't need a game like this right now sure. if that makes sense yeah. um but yeah mostly i've just been hunting lots of monsters heck yeah me and tom have been squatting up pretty hard yeah Playing a lot of Monster Hunter. Yeah. Reb, what about you? What have you been playing? I haven't been playing much, actually, because I'm I'm like Pear, I'm reading books uh and, and waiting for new Pokemon Snap to come out. Uh I'm I'm playing Animal Crossing still. Mm-hmm. I 
am currently grappling with the question of why I'm still playing Animal Crossing Uh-oh. because I have well, but but sincerely, right? I love I love Animal Crossing, and I did the same thing with New Leaf and Wild World as well. I played them on and off for years, and I I have finished capturing all the fish and the bugs and the deep sea creatures. I have decorated my island perfectly. I have villagers that I I don't want. I love all of my villagers. I don't want to get rid of any of them. There are no new ones that I particularly want. I've seen all the holidays. I played all last year. So I'm I'm at the point where I'm still opening it every day for 20 minutes, digging up fossils, Mm -hmm. talking to everybody once and, you know, changing my clothes and maybe taking a couple screenshots. And that's what I'm doing. And I'm trying to figure out, is this the part where I stop? Right. Mm. Uh, but I'm not I'm not quite ready yet. Uh, so mainly that. And then the other thing I'm playing is not on the Switch. I'm playing, I'm technically playing Hitman 3. I had not played either the other Hitmen mm. before. And so I, I have the extra content and I'm slowly working my way through the levels starting from Hitman 1. Uh, I just played whatever the third level is in Hitman 1 and murdered a man by dropping a fake moose on his head. It was great. <laughs> I love these. I love those dumb games. They're so Fantastic. great. I so really, really, really well like the Hitman games. And every so, time one comes out, I have to motivate myself to play them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm playing through them. I'm like, why did I wait? Right. So good. One game you're befriending moose and the other game you're dropping moose on people's head. <laughs> Indeed. I think, I think the thing that I like very much about them is that they each level takes about for me about between 90 minutes to two hours depending on how much is going on and how hard it is to follow what i'm supposed to do and that is like watching an episode or two of a tv show for me and so i can do it and then i finish the level and then i sign off and i'm done and it feels very good yeah they sand boxes of mischief boxes of mischief pair what kind of sandboxes of mischief are you getting into well i'm playing this game called monster hunter rise and you're not playing with us I know. I see. No, I I'm, keep seeing him sign on, and I'm. I keep thinking, like, why isn't he playing with us? Why so, isn't he trying to haunt these moms so, with his friends? You got to invite me. I'm like a vampire. Um, yeah, the I started playing it, and then I knew my daughter was going to be into it. She played Monster Hunter uh, stories as well, and so I got her my second code. And then we played um, U.S. to Japan when she was awake. We, we we played together a little bit. And then the boys, I have two sons, saw us playing. And they're like, oh, we, we played the last Monster Hunter. We oh, my God. You, so are you doing a family squad? Then we had a oh. four-player family squad. And, That's the cutest then, thing I ever heard. And then, uh, yeah, no, we played together. And honestly, it's it's just great when you have multiple players and giving each other tips on, on things that you discovered. And that's the way to le- learn the game. I, um, you know, I complained a lot about the the systems and the onboarding being daunting but once you once you go um it feels really second nature now it's I, it's really really good it's a very addictive gameplay loop the you know constantly chasing mm-hmm. the the next piece of equipment and, and looking for the monsters you need um it's really good um i'm enjoying that a lot and then i'm also playing uh when the kids aren't around to play with i play super mario 3d world and sometimes i uh, first of all i tried playing it with my daughter in japan and the net code is just it's so bad oh, it's, it's so bad, bad. Yeah. it's so bad and like monster hunter runs like an ace on all our connections mm-hmm. with three people here here on the same connection my daughter in a dorm in japan uh super mario 3d world you cannot get the two two player to run uh, remotely well and, yeah if I, I my partner go ahead go ahead tom oh <laughs> So something, something real quickly, something we discovered too, actually uh, with Red and and I think maybe Zach as well, mm-hmm. uh, is Monster Hunter does this incredible thing where if somebody disconnects in the middle of a hunt, that person keeps hunting the monster on their own exactly yeah. where they were in the hunt, and the other people who were not disconnected keeps it keep fighting as well. So it literally just splits the hunt into two instances yeah, of the yeah. same hunt. So like yeah. even when the connection does break down, it handles it like a dream. Like it handles it exactly like you'd want it to handle it. Yeah, you know, I, it's. I, it's- it's great. I tweeted about this, yeah. but that that engine that Monster Hunter is is running on the RE engine is spectacular. The way that it scales, the things that it's doing in the background, like that that engine is extremely powerful. Capcom has created something really, really impressive. So, yeah. back, just briefly on Super Mario 3D World, because I had finished that game when it first came out, and then you know I really liked Bowser's Bowser's Fury was just great, mm-hmm. and I decided, okay, I'm going to play through 3D World again and try to get every stamp and every star on every level. And now I'm on World Flower. Mm-hmm. Um, the, <laughs> 3D like, World oh. is one of those one of those games that is long and ends, and then. It yeah, goes on it and then like it ends endings, and it goes yeah. on and you go yeah. like, wait, is there yeah. another level? And there is always one more. Yep. 
and man, it gets so devious. And yeah, that game it gets tough. It, yeah. it shows the limitations. It is not my favorite Mario game, but it is way better than I remember it. I have to mm-hmm. say, like first of all, the sped up, um, the sped up move, the the overall speed boost is really, really good and welcome, and it's super fun to play with four players. Um, but there are those times where the camera works against you in judging your jump mm-hmm. onto small platforms or yep. like on, onto a block. And like after you fall into the same hole five times because you can't exactly judge the distance, it just gets a bit annoying. Um, yep. But man, there's some really clever levels in there, you know, for Galaxy fans and, and everyone. And it's just it's it's a great game. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to play it as well uh, in co-op with my partner who lives in San Francisco, and he he is good at Mario. Mm-hmm. He has been playing Mario for a very long time. He loves the flow, zooms through the levels, is very good at it. I don't play that style of Mario. I play Mario Sunshine mm-hmm. and Mario Odyssey. I love those. I like running around and spying, looking in corners and collecting things and playing very slowly and our play styles are already not super compatible, but we could probably work with it. But the online being as terrible as it is makes it so much worse because mm. when we actually do try to do something together, it 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 just messes everything up completely. The water level, any level with water in it is especially bad. Anytime you go into an area where you're supposed to be underwater, it just chugs. Yeah. It's it's very bad. We're getting I think we're on the final world and he's coming out here this coming week. You're probably maybe not. We can finish it locally, but <laughs> Yeah, you're probably not on the final world. That's true. No. Well, we're on the, the final numbered world. Right. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There is I don't I don't know that I'm going to have the patience for any for any oh, secret levels. There are I, so many secret levels. They're so good Tim's though. Simply, they're really, really good. I, finished every level in yoshi's crafted world oh boy uh, and you have the patience for a lot of stuff i would say i perhaps i do i really loved that game though it was very the, pleasant the thing about Sweet. super mario 3d world you do run out of lives and then you just go find the gold train again yep you know like that that level oh. that appears randomly with the um just like extra lives galore and you're just collecting coins and coins it's just raining coins no, um, we won't be running out of any lives anytime soon. Okay, uh, he wow. when when he realized how bad I was at Mario, he took me back to one two, and oh. he bounced infinitely on the little green shell between the there two little cliffs, uh, and we now have something like six hundred lives. <laughs> That's and awesome. you're good. And you're good. Uh, I've I've only been playing Monster Hunter. Uh, man, I've probably put like fifty hours into that since it dropped, and I just I'm really loving that game. Which You're is nearly, so nearly at the final boss. We almost I know, got you there. Which is which is so like so crazy to me that I like rolled credits in a Monster Hunter game. I played I played with Casey the other night and she was having a real laugh because she was like, I just never thought we would play high rank Monster Hunter together like this. It was really wild. So that was that was a lot of fun. That's the only game that I've been playing, with the exception of this next game that we have very little time for, but we're gonna play it anyway because that is the question block. Really oh. my favorite game. And- Not really one. Um, the first question comes from Jay Falland, who asks, with Nintendo's president talking about the importance of new IPs, do you think Nintendo would consider making an M-rated game? The knock on Nintendo has always seemed to be that it's for kids, but for some reason that has not been a common stereotype for the Switch. Has Nintendo ever made an M-rated game besides Internal Darkness and maybe Geist? Yeah, Tom they're Bayonetta 3. Right. Yeah. Well, they're publishing that game. Publishing well, they yeah, published, they published Eternal Darkness too, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, and guys, that was Silicon too, Knights. That, yeah, they're 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 second party games, but they were published under the Nintendo brand, and you know Nintendo owned Rare for the longest time, and under under Rare's banner, they published Conquer and Perfect Dark. They were all mm-hmm. uh, rated M, and then obviously right. Bayonetta was rated M. Uh, it, it I I don't know. It's not their thing. I I think when Nintendo makes it, it's gonna be T. Um, there, you know, the detective club games are a little bit more mature targeted, but they're still pretty clean and, you know, not, not, not so violent that they would get an M rating, but that's about as mature that Nintendo gets. I think they just believe in making games for a a big audience. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Right. Pair. It's not. Yeah, okay, Nintendo's for kids, whatever. No, Nintendo's not for kids. Nintendo's for families. Nintendo's for everyone. And if you're making games for an M rated audience, you are automatically cutting out a massive portion of the gaming audience. And, you know, some people don't mind doing that because there's stories they want to tell and there's art they want to do. And that is perfectly fine. But Nintendo just broadly opts not to make that choice. And I, Mm. I think that seems to have served them well because they have that market pretty well cornered. Yeah. They're doing all right. Huh? Fire emblem is, you know, is, is a complex game. Um, there's a cat, the baby or flurkin. It's robo. (laughs) 
The 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 thing to me about this too, the idea that it's not as common for this Switch is that you have to be careful about when you say the stereotype is that Nintendo is for kids because like are you talking about Nintendo as Nintendo as a developer or Nintendo as a platform? Because mm-hmm. the reason that that stereotype happened, I think, for previous consoles was less to do with what Nintendo wanted on their console and more to do with what third-party publishers were actually giving support to those consoles. Yep. And this the Switch just doesn't have the problem that previous Nintendo systems might have had of like third parties that make mature games not wanting to come there, right? Like we mm-hmm. just get... Mm-hmm. Tons of stuff from everywhere on Switch. So this perception that like, oh, it's only got baby games. It just doesn't exist because the third parties are actually showing up. And I don't think that's ever been Nintendo's fault, right? Like this idea that mature games. Combat. Right. There was the whole whole Genesis versus Super NES thing where Nintendo did want their games to not be too... uh, Sure. I I guess I shouldn't say never, but at least since games were... 3d <laughs> for sure for sure <laughs> i would also just remind people that you know games don't have to be full of blood and cussing and sex to talk about you know deep adult themes and complex problems and a lot of games that are on nintendo platforms do that that's a great point and that is actually about all the points that we have to make this week we are fresh out of time on nintendo voice chat uh reb tom Per schneider Thank you so much for joining me. Shout out to uh, Red, our producer, and Logan, the NVC assistant, for helping me get this episode in order this week when Casey was out. We'll be back next week to talk more Nintendo Thursdays at 3 p.m. Thank you guys so much for watching. Remember, Nintendo Voice Chat. Get that out of here. I'm trying to do an outro. I want it. Remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place where you can get the thing. Get it, you guys. Bye. Goodbye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.